Broads, this episode is brought to you by Air Doctor. Unfortunately for everyone, cold and flu season is in full effect. And if you want to make sure you and your family stay healthy this year, you've got to get an Air Doctor. Air Doctor makes professional quality air filters that remove both particles and gases with their medical grade ultra HEPA filters that are proven to remove 99.9% of bacteria and virus particles in the air. I feel so much safer indoors now that we have an Air Doctor. The last thing anyone wants is to be sick, especially around the holidays. So let Air Doctor keep you safe this winter. Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just ask for a refund. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code CHATTY and you'll receive up to $300 off. That's right, up to $300 off but only if you go to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code CHATTY. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hello, Broads. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um... I'm super excited because we have a guest back that I think might be one of the top guests that we get regular DMs about still mm. to this day, even though this mm. we were the last time we recorded. Was this like 200 episodes ago or something? Yes, it was a long like time that? ago. And this wow. episode, Sexually Liberated with Evian Whitney, is one of the faves that we still get regular messages about. And we finally have Evian back in the studio. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. So excited oh you're here with us. Yeah, I get DMs about that episode too. It was literally years ago. It was, I think it was in 2018. It was one of our earlier episodes and this was like all very pre-pandemic. Like, yeah. Yes. I hadn't moved to LA yet. No, not Mm -hmm. yet. In fact, I think where you moved. I moved during the pandemic or right before the pandemic. Oh my God. I moved in February, 2020. Yeah. So you've been neighbors with us for a while. And yes, we and we haven't been able to see each other <laughs> because of the goddamn pandemic. Yeah, but I'm happy to be in this space with you all. It's so good to see. I feel your like faces. a lot has happened since then. A lot so yes. with much. in your life, with your personal identity, all like so many different things. Yeah, mm-hmm, lots mm-hmm. of growth. Mm-hmm. I would love to kind of hear about what the last couple of years like has been for you. Oh, man. I mean, where do I start? Um, Well, one of the biggest things is that I moved to L.A. Yes. That was a massive change for me and something that I really, really wanted to do. um, And I'm so glad that I did it come hell or high water. Uh, and that's been really nice. It's It's been really good for my mental health and it's been really okay. good for my like creativity as well. Um, what else? I came out as non-binary last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. God, there's so many things that have happened that I'm like having trouble tracking. Well, and also the time frame is just... It's bananas. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not time? linear anymore. <laughs> no, there is no time. We're literally not. We're not linear anymore. And Broads, before we dive into an incredible conversation with Evian, are those holiday movies you're watching putting you in the mood to be romantic or look for a partner? Well, finding that someone just got easier with Match Dating App. 
Oh, and check out this fun fact. Match's annual survey found that for the first time in more than a decade, emotional maturity ranks higher than physically attractive on singles priority lists. In fact, pre-pandemic, being attractive was number one, and now it's all the way down at number eight. So emotionally mature adults are the new sexy. Yes, we love to see it. I personally have many friends who have found amazing partners uh, on the Match Dating app. So broads, if you are looking, check it out. Find that person that only uses the word ghost to describe paranormal activity and knows uh, liking mezcal isn't a personality trait. Find them on the Match app. Are you guys ready for something more? Because if you know what you want and you're not afraid to say it, download Match. And now messaging your top mas- matches is free. So download the Match dating app. Um, yeah, you know, I came out as non-binary, which was a really mm-hmm. exciting experience for me. And then I also wrote a book. Yes. So, yeah, pretty much I think shortly after. No, I, maybe it was a year after we had our conversation is when I started to write it. Well, and I think so. also now this is just me being up in your business from following you on Instagram. But <laughs> um, didn't you also move to L.A. as like a conscious shift in your relationship too? we did? Yeah. With your partner staying in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved to L.A. in February right before the pandemic. Yeah happened like weeks before, which I was so happy to have made it before the shutdown because I probably would have gotten stuck in Portland. Um, And yeah, with that decision, me and my partner, Jonathan, decided to spend a year intentionally apart from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, We weren't separated. We were just like, we're in relationship and we want some some distance so that we can come back to each other. So when you say your part, are you talking about uh, geographically apart or what did that also look like in your relationship? Just... And then like physically apart, like we weren't, we weren't like physically together. Like we weren't living together. We had two different apartments, two different, um, two different like schedules. He was up in Oregon, like on the coast of Oregon and I was in LA Mm -hmm. and, um, but we were still like together. Like we were still in a relationship, but we were using that time apart to sort of pause, reassess, like, is this a relationship that we want to be in? Mm -hmm. And the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And also what are the things that we might need to do in order for us to like be together and continue this like upward motion of connection and intimacy and growth with each other? So we use that time not only just to like focus on ourselves for the first time in, I mean, damn near 15 years um, and also as a way to figure out like, okay, what are the parts of this relationship that might need some shifting or changing or um, recalibrating? Yeah. Well, was that like to do that in the middle of well the start middle of the pandemic yeah, sure which is was, already so I'm sure like, that I felt was like not the intention that was like I was clinging <laughs> to you know what I knew yeah and I'm was, sure your intention was like I'm going to LA literally I got my that. friends like this literally is that new life. I was like I had so many plans it was gonna be my 33rd oh my birthday I was like I'm gonna spend my Jesus year with all my friends oh. have a big party um, I was so excited. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks after I landed in in um, Los Angeles, everything got shut down. And so Jonathan and I talked about this a lot. You know, we planned for the financial aspect of it. We planned mm-hmm. for like, what's going to happen if we miss each other? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen if like a month in, we're like, fuck this. We don't like it anymore. Yeah. So we planned all of that, but we did not plan a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> no. And so like- That wasn't it in was, the journal. It was fucking bananas. I mean, I think in, if anything, it really just, it enhanced, not enhanced, it like- um 
clarified. It clarified mm. and also just like revved up the reason why we were doing what we were doing. It, mm. It's it sort of like brought it into focus and also made us. And I there's another aspect of this where you know when we were talking about it, we really wanted to really have time apart, like um, you know maybe not talk to each other. I for a wondered month or two. if you had intentional boundaries around yeah. communication. We really wanted to be like, okay, we're gonna do it. Let's just jump right in. But you can't fucking do that with a global pandemic when no one knows what's going on. We could be dying tomorrow. Yeah. So we actually talked a lot, um, like almost every day. And mm. it was mostly to process the grief and the fear mm. and the uncertainty that was coming up around the pandemic. Um, but the one thing that we didn't do was like, we didn't see each other for five months and that wasn't planned. We actually wanted to like have maybe the first month would be like, okay, we're living apart. We're not talking to each other. Like let's have that boundary and just see what comes up. And then the second month we'll see each other like twice a month. Right. Right. And that did not happen. We didn't see so each other for five, five months. months. Yeah. So I was, by the way, I was living alone for the yeah, first time. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like. In my life, like I've never lived alone ever. And so that was an experience in and of itself to be like, okay, I'm in this apartment by myself. And, you know, the fear and the uncertainty of this fucking global pandemic, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I'm also really proud of myself that I got through it. Good for you. I, I was going to say, I'm like, my goodness, like. Yeah. Massive props to you for being able to, <laughs> I'm like, in the midst of all of that. It was scary. It yeah. was it was scary. And also it was just like very clarifying. Mm -hmm. Like I got really clear about who I was, what I needed, what I needed in my relationship, what I needed in my work. Um, I also feel like a lot of my friendships got weeded out during that time. I think for a lot of us, like the yeah. pandemic was like the great reckoning that we sort of needed or didn't really want to have. Mm. But we just like needed to have these conversations mm -hmm. with family members, um, community members, ourselves even. Career, about, about, yeah. About our careers. Like, it seems like for me, every single thing got, like, it, it went through this process of, like, should we keep it? Should we not? You know? And yeah. it was it was pretty brutal. You know, there are a lot of people and dreams and goals that didn't make it. And yeah. I'm really glad that my relationship with Jonathan was one of the ones that made it. And he's living with me now. So we're together. You know what? And not only did you survive, you were also... I think able to be an anchor for people too. I, mm. I in fact I remember uh it must have been just a couple months in and I you know just on Instagram and I saw that you were on a live or something and I clicked on it and watched it and you were going through some sort of breathing exercise yes. or something like that. I was doing uh dance classes, sensual yes. dance meditation. Yes. yes, and I remember yeah. clicking in and I was like those were those wow. were this is such a gift during Aww. that time. I'm so I needed it for me. Like I just I felt like what am I going to do in this house <laughs> all by myself? <laughs> and also I I could feel from everyone around me that they were just really having a hard time connecting to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create spaces where folks could like be with their bodies, move their bodies, move some of this tension out while also just like giving themselves some sweetness mm. along the way and some community. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed that. Yeah, and I think that that's really neat that you were able to share that in the moment, even though you were going through all of this, you know, turmoil, yeah. inner and outer yeah. turmoil, and then <laughs> get to share some peace with people. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but how... I'm because I'm just curious for myself. How did you guys get from you saw each other five months? Yeah. And then what did that time look like? You said now you're living together again. 
Yeah. So we didn't see each other for five months. We actually, so we actually did this year apart or this living apart thing for about a year. Mm -hmm. So from February to January, we decided to have him come um, back a little bit early because we weren't entirely sure what the election was going to look like. Yeah. And um, that felt really important to us just in terms of safety. And yeah. I think at that point, we just felt like we were done. We're like, okay, we got everything that we needed out <laughs> we of this did experience. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more that we want from it. We really were fucking missing each other. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to sort of integrate some of the things that I was learning about myself in real life with Mm -hmm. him, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it's one thing to be in relationship with someone and be like, wow, I'm having all of these, you know, epiphanies. This is how I want to be in this relationship. It's another thing to actually practice it and do the thing. And so I think we both just felt this sense of completion. And, um, yeah, it was was wild. There there was a pretty long period of just, like, getting used to having somebody in my house. (laughs) And in my bed, because he moved in with me, we didn't get a new apartment because like, fuck that. LA yeah. <laughs> housing market is like, yeah. I'm like, I am staying here forever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he moved in with me and it was so odd because I, this apartment I picked just for me. Like I wasn't thinking about him. I wasn't thinking about like when we eventually move in together, yeah. I was completely selfish and chose this apartment, the location, everything for me. And so I was totally set there, but then he moves in and he's like, yeah, there's some things about this that I don't really like, you know, like he, he was living in the the coast of Oregon. So he had like nature all around him. Mm-hmm. Like he goes out his front door and he's like on hiking trails. And I live in an area where it's like busy and there's traffic, like I'm right off of sunset. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of action. And I love that shit. Like yeah. I love it. But he was very much like, wow, this it's really loud here. <laughs> And I'm like, like, yeah, I, I, I dig it. But um, so that that was an adjustment. And then also the adjustment of like not being alone. Yeah. I, I really surprised myself by how quickly I acclimated to being alone. And I thought that it was going to be hard. Like I thought that I thought that I was going to be like, oh, I fucking hate this. I just want to be around people. But I was really luxuriating in that space and in that time. And so when he moved back, I was like, can you go now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> can you leave again? Um, and he and he might. You know, we've, we've talked about doing this, like, experiment or this, um, this uh, yeah, experiment again, but just not for a year. Maybe for, like, three months at the most. Because, yeah, a year is a year is pretty long. That's cool mm-hmm. that you guys can do that together, though, that you're with each other where you can be like, let's try this. Let's challenge ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. improve and dissect and do all that stuff. I was just thinking on a much smaller scale, but it was interesting because I had this conversation on my Instagram with some people. Uh, my boyfriend went on a surf trip for a week. So I was with my two kids and it was kind of the same thing where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a little much. Normally he's right there you know, helping with breakfast, doing the whole routine. I was like, oh man, it's going to all be on my shoulders. <laughs> and then at the end of the week, I was kind of like, we are in a rhythm, dude. The house has <laughs> never looked so clean. Yes. I'm on top of my shit. Yeah. We're up in the morning. We're going, <laughs> we're killing it. And uh, I posted on my Instagram. I was like, do you guys ever get like when your partner's gone and they come back and you're like, 
what like you said what are you doing in my space on a much shorter scale (laughs) but then i got so many responses from people who were military wives and all this and they're like this is a very real thing and i got a lot of responses from military people being like i will miss my partner so much nine months a year whatever and then the minute they come back i'm kind of like there's a period where you sort of (laughs) have to grieve the loss of your rhythm Mm -hmm. that you had on your own and recalibrate with a person entering back into your space and your routine which is hard it's it's wild. You know, one of the things that I was playing around with through this period of separation was like, who am I if I'm not in this relationship? Like, because I've never mm-hmm. asked myself that question. And we've been together since I was 19. So every part of my life has been centered around him and our relationship and the yeah. memories that we've made together. And it was really interesting to contemplate that question while we were apart. But now I'm sort of thinking about that question when we're together as well. Like, yeah. is it possible for me to hold the image of myself and also um, hold the intention of my sovereignty while I'm in relationship with someone. Mm. Because I think sometimes we think that relationships, it's just like by design, you lose yourself in them, you know? And I think that that can happen. I think a level of enmeshment happens in relationships that you're in for a long time. But I am trying to like hold both in each hand to be like, yes, I am a wife. And also I'm my own person Mm -hmm. like how can I create the space for me to still be who I am and to have that space and autonomy and agency while also celebrating the parts of my relationship and like I haven't really quite figured out the answer to that question but I'm sort of like playing around with that and wanting to see what's possible it takes more work doesn't it Mm -hmm. when you're coupled with someone to stay connected to yourself yeah it just takes a lot more intentionality because i think it's really distracting to have another person accessible to you mm-hmm. to chat to watch tv with at night when normally instead you'd be doing mm. your little bath and journal and <clears throat> you know all of that whole routine yeah no i'm i've been going through i would say the past like a year has been like a massive push and pull for my husband and i because mm similar story with um with like you both because we've been together since we were like 18 19 oh yeah yeah you you get it (laughs) yeah I get I get the the piece of like I love this person so much and I want to be with this person but I'm also and then coming from like religious trauma right Mm -hmm. being like I also feel like I missed this very large developmentally like this uh, developmental part of myself Yes. That I see a lot of people I know that they had it when they were in maybe their 20s. That right. I was partnered with somebody and didn't have that growth curve alone. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like now um, in a, a home where I'm very much in love with this person still, but there's a child and we're married. And yeah. how do you maintain that autonomy and and I'm also I'm also like a little bit of a hermit crab like I like to be alone a lot yeah I I love my my time by myself I know my mom was uh my uh mom and my dad got divorced many years ago now and my mom was single for a really long time and probably about a year and a half two years ago she started dating this guy who she's that they love each other she adores him but she told me the other day she's like I will never have someone live in my home with me. Mm. Like, she's like, I would love to be his partner until the day yeah. I die, but I need my, I know that now about myself that like when he's over for a couple of days, it's great, but this is my space and I'm my best when I'm 
alone yeah. and the master of your domain too yeah. yeah and that's what works for her mm-hmm. i think it would work for a lot of people mm-hmm. if they just took the time to ask you yeah. know i think we sometimes think that your relationship your marriage has to look one specific way and i think through this experiment that me and my partner did we realized that like there are many different ways to be in relationships and just because you are living apart, because that's that's the other thing. When I told people that we were living apart, people were like, "Oh, so you're getting a divorce?" Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you know? I like, I, like I, t- talking to my mom about this was a trip because oh, she was yeah. like, "Oh my god, so you guys are separating," this which means over. that you guys it's it's over. And I had to have multiple conversations with her to tell her like. I swear to God, there's nothing that you don't know. Like, we are still very much in love. We just, do you ever feel like you're not as free in your relationship that you want to be? And I posed that question to her and, um, you know, she's a pastor and she's been with her husband for 10 years now. And she was like, yeah, sometimes, but you know, marriage is about staying together. You don't leave in your marriage. And I'm like, okay, this, I'm not going <laughs> to be able to convince you of this. Yeah. But I think after, after she saw that, like, you know, we were still in contact and, Jonathan eventually moved uh, back with me. She's like, okay, this is my daughter being weird. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for her, it was such a mind fuck. Okay, broads, quick pause here. Uh, this time of year, it's easy to get stressed out and spend all that money ordering in all the meals because taking the time to grocery shop and prepare a meal feels just too overwhelming. Well, thanks to Green Chef, a Fresh home-cooked meal that is quickly prepared is always just moments away anytime I need it. Green Chef is the world's first organic meal kit that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. If you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers recipes to suit your preferences. And each week, you'll get to choose from over 35 amazing meal options. And once you've decided what you want, Green Chef delivers pre-portioned, partially prepared ingredients right to your door. Eating healthy has really never been more convenient or easy. And I love doing it with um, Ruth. It's so much fun and it's so easy because everything's already all chopped up, ready to go, all that. Cooking with Green Chef has saved me so much time. I can walk in the door at 7 and have dinner on the table by 7.30. I never would have thought that was possible ever. Uh, You may have heard us talking about our other favorite meal kit, HelloFresh. So let's just clarify, Green Chef is actually owned by HelloFresh. And I personally like to uh, switch between the two because it gives me an even wider wider array of amazing meals to choose from. My favorite Green Chef meal right now has to be their creamy pesto bowl. It is so good and it's a perfect cozy meal and it's ready in just 30 minutes. Go to greenchef.com slash chatty10 and use code chatty10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash chatty10 and use code chatty10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. Broads, if you have some last minute holiday shopping to do, or better yet, if you need to find that perfect gift for yourself, (laughs) yes, uh, look no further than Majori, the company making fine jewelry for every day. Majori is making the most amazing pieces at a reasonable and transparent price that can be worn every day in every way. I mean, that's really what Majori is all about. They create the ultimate staple pieces. You never have to take them off from a three-piece suit to a sweatsuit. Majori's fine jewelry goes with everything. Take my word for it. I wear my pieces all the time. And every Monday, check out their site for new limited edition drops. But if you're looking for those true classics, that's where Majori really shines. They've got 14 karat solid gold staples, plus sterling silver pieces. They've even got pieces with freshwater pearls and ethically sourced diamonds. 
Okay, and all of the materials at Majori are fairly priced, handcrafted, ethically sourced, and made to last. And I mean really made to last, like really made to last. I am the absolute worst at remembering to take off jewelry before showering or working out. And here's the thing, my Majori pieces still look brand freaking new, even after months and months of wear. Um, also, when you shop at Majori, you're going to get pieces that are priced affordably without the 10 times retail markup that you usually find on fine jewelry. I mean, who doesn't like a little sparkle in their Christmas stocking, right? And Majuri has amazing pieces for everyone on your list this year. Head to Majuri.com slash chatty for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash chatty for 10% off your first order. Majuri.com slash chatty. But yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it really is such a paradigm shift to think mm-hmm. about relationships in ways where um, I think that at least for me, I've thought that if you want some time apart from your partner, it means that there's something wrong, that there's an issue that's, yes. that's going on. And maybe that's true. Like, I think that that can be true for some people. But I think it's okay to have moments or periods of time where you're like, I just want to be alone because I mm-hmm. miss being with myself or mm-hmm. I, I, I miss having access to parts of myself that I don't get access to because I'm in a relationship yeah. that has me caretaking and like looking outside of myself. And that was one of the biggest things that came up for me when we were doing this period of of being apart was that like I am like a chronic caretaker and I'm also very codependent. And so it Mm. really confronted me with the ways that like, yes, I'm in love with this person, but also there are ways that I'm in relationship with you that are really toxic. Mm. And I don't want to perpetuate the same models of behavior that I watched my parents go through or you watched your parents go through. Like how... How can we be in relationship with each other that is really intentional and healthy without losing ourselves and losing our identities? Like, how can we be interdependent instead of codependent? Mm-hmm. And again, there's not a lot of models for this, you know? No, I no. mean, my models of marriage were codependency, the wife is subservient, like, you are sort of like a sexual object for yeah. your husband. Like, there wasn't a lot of autonomy or choice even. So I... I I'm going to toot my own harm. I'm really proud of myself yes, and proud of the relationship that I've be. built so that like I both me and my partner are allowed to be where we are. And it's not like he lo- doesn't love me. It's like, no, he's his own person. He's having a moment. Let him have a moment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to hover over him. You know, you yeah. know what I struggle with? I was just talking to a friend on the phone with the other day. I um, am, I was talking to a friend. I said, where is the line between becoming independent and autonomous and you know, the number one thing I always hear people say when they get divorced or something is, oh, we just drifted apart. Mm. I was telling my friend, I'm like, how do you know what, like where sometimes I have fear of what if we become so independent and autonomous that we like drift apart? How do you create intentional space for connection Actually, that's the answer. You create intentional space for connection <laughs> while maintaining autonomous, independent lives. But that's so much easier said than done. Totally. You know? Totally. And uh, but, you know, it's just it's just interesting. But yeah. I would imagine like if you if you are um, like consciously, you know, making sure that there is that connection there while separating or whatever, I would imagine if you do drift apart, that then is might be your answer. Yeah. Yeah. I also like, 
I also want to just hold space for like drifting apart doesn't have to mean that like we are disconnecting from True. each other. Mm. It might mean that like one of us is growing faster than the other True. or yeah. like transforming in a way. And we need to ask our partner to like, hey, show up a little bit more or mm -hmm. like come with me on this journey. I think a lot of us like true true feel that like drifting apart means like oh there's nothing i can do because we're drifting apart and we're just like out to sea and you know but there's we have resources and if we really are um committed to the relationship or committed to being in partnership with someone we'll do the work that we need to do in order to like check in how can we get on each other's level is it possible for you to get on my level and does that mean does that have to mean that we're in a space where we have to end the relationship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to. We can no. also be very impatient people, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, maybe it's gonna take two or three years for that person to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not right and the relationship needs to end, or maybe we need to settle into the discomfort of feeling a little off, not on the, a little misaligned for a couple of years until that person can yeah. do whatever growth or whatever is necessary. Yeah, everybody grows and heals on their own time, you mm -hmm. know, but I just, I want to encourage people to think about like, I know for me, I got really identified with being a wife and being a partner to this person, you know? And so the biggest question that has like just blown that open for me is like, okay, I am a wife. Yes. But who am I if I weren't in this relationship? How differently would I be moving through the world? Would I still live in the same area? Would I still have the same friends? Would I have the same hobbies? Would I eat the same dinners? Like these were yeah, all things that I was cool. thinking about while think we were about. together or while we were apart. And it was really interesting because there was overlap. Like I could see like, yeah, actually I am kind of similar in some ways. And then there were things where it's like, no, I want to eat pasta every night. Like, yeah. And like the real pasta, not the gluten-free pasta. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you know, and, the real shit, okay? Yeah, like yeah. And, and I mean, ultimately, gluten-free pasta is better for me. But um, yeah, I, I want to encourage people to just think about those things mm -hmm. and to not be afraid of what comes through in terms of the answer. Just like yeah. use that as information. Yeah, yeah, sitting in that discomfort. I know, like mm -hmm. we, my husband and I had a conversation recently where we were like really rehashing some past like our relationship when we were like just married or mm. like you know engaged and we were having this, this really uncomfortable conversation that is off of what you're saying where it's like would I do these things if I wouldn't have been with you would I have moved here would these have been my mm. friends would this have been my career yes and we had this very like sit in the muck painful conversation where like we both were like oh my god in my in a place where I didn't know what I wanted, mm -hmm. I pushed my desires on you and I didn't yeah. allow you to have space to have your own choices. And I I forced this to be um, both of us instead of allowing you mm. to continue to have your autonomy and like being able to then sit with that and being like, I did do that. And he did do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we did it to each other in different ways and being like, OK, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. But. Like the the fact of the matter is like, you know, there would have been a lot of things that we would have changed about yeah. our path and that's okay. Here we are now, but making sure that moving forward, yeah, that that doesn't get convoluted again. I think you know? those small choices too that you're talking about are really interesting to think about. Like you said, like the food or like the whatever. And I, now that you say that, I'm sort of recognizing that I've been exploring some of that in our relationship where it's just simple choices like, oh, I have defaulted in relationships to 
Okay, you were going to watch a movie and veg out on the couch. I was wanting to go, you know, spend some intentional time to myself. But now that you're watching the movie, I'll just sit on the couch and watch mm-hmm. the movie, you know? Or like, you're getting Uber Eats, and I don't really feel like having, like, French fries at 11 p.m., but, like, you're doing it all. So you know, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. eat it, too. Yes. And instead, consciously, which for me has been a big deal, consciously making the choice of, like, mm, I'll, I'll go read a book in my room, and you can go, you can watch TV. And you can order the Uber Eats and like, that's okay. I'm right. not going to do that just because that's actually, if I'm listening to myself, it's not really what I want to do or what I need right now. Yeah. And that's really big. Mm-hmm. It's about checking in with yourself and not going to that default. Like default is such a beautiful word to, for this because like when you're, once you're in a relationship for a long time, you can get into like a slump where yes. you're doing the same things, watching the same television. It's like, and that's not to say that those traditions of comfort are bad, Mm -hmm. but I think sometimes we can get into those traditions without like really being like, do I want to be in this? Or am I just automatically putting myself here because this is what we do. This is what we eat, you know, and it's okay to be a little selfish and, and to carve out maybe a day. And like, that's the other thing that I want to say too, is that, you know, it's very easy for me to talk about this because I had an incredible amount of privilege to live apart from my partner for a year. You know, I don't have any kids. My work is remote. I can do it wherever. Even financially to be like, we can each support our own Literally. household. Like, yeah. Like the financial aspect of this was like, it was not, it was not cheap. You know, I'm, I was very lucky that we had a lot of savings that we could pull from with that. And that, you know, I, I make a decent living with my job. Um, so I don't want it to, I don't, I don't want folks to think that they cannot explore aspects of this on their own, Mm -hmm. like in their own way. Like even if it means like you take an hour out of one evening a week to just like be by yourself Mm -hmm. and that could you could do anything. You could go for a walk. You can watch your favorite television show that you don't get a chance to. You could take a bath. You could journal. I mean, I, I think just like having intentional time for ourselves in any case, like whether we're in a relationship or not is really, really important. But mm-hmm. I would say it's even more important when we're in relationships with folks that we've been in for a really long time, you know? Yeah. You know what it, all of this is sort of making me think of is sort of this theme of like interruption and like mm. interrupting. I was just even thinking about how COVID was an interruption. So when you were talking about how everyone had to take stock of their careers, of their relationships, of their friendships, of the it's because everything was interrupted and we were no longer just moving through the process of every day and kind of like you're thinking about changing things, but then life keeps tumbling on. Right. Instead, it was this big smack interruption, which is, can be really painful, but overall it makes everyone reevaluate. And I think having those little interruptions in your daily life, I think that's why microdosing is so big right now mm. too, is because like with mushrooms or with a substance like that, you're, normal brain processes and thoughts are getting interrupted and getting Mm -hmm. smacked with a different way of doing things, even if it's really subtle and that can have such a big impact. So I'm just sort of thinking of like, how can we interrupt our just go-to processes with our partners or even with ourselves in our own routine and interrupt Mm -hmm. that so that we can reevaluate and shift where things need to shift. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that interruption or that disruption can be very liberating and at the same time, it can also be very painful, you know, because yeah. I mean, we when we were thinking about doing this, we were really grappling with like, it is very possible that we will spend a year apart and we will say we don't want to be together anymore. Yeah. And I know that that might be another reason for folks to not do it. It certainly was almost a reason for me because I'm like, I would rather like what we have is so good and I don't want it to threaten that. Um, but ultimately, I was really prepared to to 
have this relationship dissolve if it meant that neither of us were happy at the end of it. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to do anything if it's done in a half-assed way or if it feels like an obligation. Even if I've been with someone for 15 years, like I, I've watched a lot of people do that in their relationships and I don't, I have this one fucking life to live. Like I want it to be a good one and I want for everything in my life to make me feel good as much as humanly possible. Um, but yeah, you know, this this work is not easy. Like these questions that you ask are not easy and it's going to be painful and grief is going to come up and um, you might be, you know, confronted with the fact that this relationship isn't a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's been that's something that has come up um, after I, you know, I, we did a podcast about it um, together and um, people listened to it on my podcast and they were very much like, I have wanted permission to do this for years and watching you and Jonathan do it has made me feel like it's possible for me. Mm-hmm. And I even got a message from someone who was like, I have a feeling that my story won't end in the same way as yours. Like you guys came back together, which is beautiful. But I think that I'm, I'm pretty certain that this is going to be yeah. the dissolving of my relationship. And I feel okay with that because mm-hmm. I know that that's what I need, what we both need in order for us to be happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm a fan of this regardless of whether we stay together. I, I think it's really profound work and it really is a disruption against mm. like all of these systems and stories that we've been taught about love and marriage and fidelity and commitment and all of that. Yeah, narratives of ourself too, of like mm-hmm. who we are and how we relate to people. That's right. Um, another thing that you have talked about was a sort of coming out as being asexual Mm -hmm. is that correct that's right (laughs) and I think this is such a fascinating conversation as someone who is also like a sex educator someone and also someone who perceiving from afar and I think so often we get caught in these comparative traps Mm. especially online yes um I feel like in the past I have seen you or listened to your podcast. I'm just like, oh, you know, maybe one day I will come into my full sexuality the way this person has, you know, or like, you know, and you're not supposed, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But in your head that happens, right? You're like, oh, this person is so much more sexually abundant or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you get these narratives. Yeah, of course. And then to see that disruption and to be like, oh, wait, you know, you can see someone online and see what they do and be like, oh, you know, I bet their sex life looks like this or mm-hmm. I bet that their personal sexuality or whatever it is, how many orgasms they have, how often they <laughs> masturbate, whatever. You start creating all these made up imaginative yes. stories uh-huh. and then being like, oh, yeah, I actually have no idea what's going on in this person's life and what their story is like. So yeah. I'd love to hear you just kind of discuss yeah, yeah, that's so real. Um, I mean, I do the same. You know, I look at people's pictures on Instagram and I make up whole entire narratives yep. and stories <laughs> and scenes of them. And la- like, we literally have no idea who yeah. these people are. Um, and I, I understand, especially being um, a sex educator, a sexuality doula, I've been doing this for 11 years. And, you know, folks have perhaps an idea of like who I am and what my sex life looks like, which is really, I'm, it's like the first time I'm thinking about that. Like, wow, people are 
in their homes thinking about the kind of sex that I have. Yes. Like, that's yes. really yes. interesting. Yes. It's weird. It's really interesting. I would love to know what people think my sex life is like. Um, it's probably a lot. On Instagram. Yeah, seriously, it's a lot more boring, I'm, I promise you, than it really is. Um, but yeah, coming out as asexual, for me, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of ignorance about yeah. what asexuality is. Um, I think even as a sex educator, I have been taught that asexuality means that you do not have sex. You hate having sex. Sex is abhorrent to you and you will never have sex again. Uh. And there are people whose experiences of being ace are like that. There are lots of uh, ace folks who are what we call sex repulsed, mm-hmm. who just like mm-hmm. have no desire to have sex whatsoever. But there are a lot of folks who are on the ace spectrum. You know, asexuality is not this black or white thing as we have seen it to be, which is like you are sexual, which means you have lots of sex and you love it. Or you're asexual, which means you hate sex right, and right, you never have right. it. Um, the mind fuck for me has been I read a book um, during the pandemic, actually. It was called Ace by Angela Chen. Highly recommend this for anyone, even if you do not think that you're ace. It is quite a beautiful interrogation of compulsory sexuality. This idea that every human Ooh, should that's be sexual. A phrase, compulsory uh-huh. sexuality. It, it, it comes. It comes from. Um, it's sort of a riff off of compulsory heterosexuality. Uh-huh. Um, but Angela Chen describes it as you know this idea that everyone should be sexual. We we automatically assume that everyone is sexual, and if you are not sexual, mm. there's something wrong with you, and you need to take a pill or you need to do yoni steaming or, or whatever so that you can get your sex life back or your libido back. Which, by the way, what is that normal that we're measuring being sexual at? What does that mean? I have no idea. I mean, e- even in my own work, when I think about myself and the the ways that I'm sort of measuring myself to this sexual standard, I'm like, yeah. where did that come from? Right. Because it's not a person in my head. It's not like I see someone like Beyonce, for instance, and I'm like, okay, I know that that person has sex this amount of times a day. Right. I want to have that. It's like it, it almost it feels as insidious as like religious trauma, yeah. you know, like this this idea that you need to be a good person by doing this. You need to save yes. your virginity. Et cetera, and then et I remember like picking up being at, like at a young age and it just infiltrating my brain, like picking up Cosmos and like different That's like right. magazines and saying like the average amount of sex that married people have every single week. And then like, yes. this is the average, this is above and this is below. Uh-huh. And then I remember being married and like in my first, like my second month into marriage when all of a sudden sex started to like dwindle a little bit from like, the first. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm, oh my God, <laughs> like already. And I was panicking and I'm like, I'm a yeah. failure of yeah. a woman to my husband and all this stuff because I had a number that was getting thrown around all the yes. time. Yeah. And even as an adult now, as I'm thinking through it, it's like, I don't have a number that I think is right. And I always say like, you know, whatever works for you. But if someone's telling me, yeah, me and my partner have sex once a month, my head goes, ooh. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why is that? Where does that come from? Right. You know, because like, these, these folks could be very happy having so their happy. one month or one sex a month type of sex because mm-hmm. maybe they do it for seven hours. All right. <laughs> you know, sure. or maybe yeah, they do it for one hour and yeah. they're, they're savoring every moment. Like, why, what yeah. is it? What What is the story in our heads that we've created that like you have to have this particular number? Because there's a line there. Like, we, right. all, we all have a line there where you're like, you guys maybe need some help, mm-hmm. like in your relationship. Sure, this is how often. I mean, you're it really it. it really depends on like your own personal desires for sex. And I think the one thing that I love about coming to this understanding that I'm ace is that it gives me the flexibility to be nuanced in my sexual identity. Yeah. That I don't have to be this sexual being all the time yeah. who wants sex and desires sex, which that's never been the case for me. And yeah. I've always 
I've had a very um, hard relationship with my sexuality because I read those same Cosmo articles as well. Um, I don't know if you remember. I don't think they have this anymore, but there was Cosmo Girl. It was like Cosmopolitan for like tweens. And we were being taught about like, you know, how to flirt with a guy. And Mm -hmm. like sex was very much a part of our and it is very much a part of our our world you know mm-hmm. like it's like we it's at the center of every romantic relationship that we have and what aceness is providing me is like what if sex wasn't the center of my universe mm-hmm. like what and what does that mean for my intimacy like yeah. what other ways can i access intimacy and connection and physical um connection with my partner that doesn't look like penetrative sex and an orgasm you yeah. know mm-hmm. um so I I have felt really liberated after realizing that I was ace. To be perfectly honest, I I I have sort of suspected it. You know, um, I I feel that the ways that folks desire sex has never resonated with me. Like this idea of getting horny. Like I don't really know what that feels like. Like I I can I know what desire for sex feels like. Like mm-hmm. I know what it feels like in my body to be like I want to have sex with you because mm-hmm. that would feel really good. Mm-hmm. But being horny, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Or like having sexual attraction to someone, I don't really know what that means, you know? And that's one of the reasons why I love this book, Ace, is because she really dissects, like, what that means in general. Like, a lot of people are walking around thinking that they know what sexual attraction is, but they don't fucking know because right. we're all referencing each other. Right. And one one of the things that she talks about in the book is like, you know, I would have conversations with my friends and we would be talking about like, oh, that guy, he's so cute. And for them, maybe that meant like, oh, I'm sexually attracted to them. But for her, it was like, oh, aesthetically, I think he looks he like I like the way he dresses. Mm-hmm. And so we're using the same words for different things. And so that's one of the things that I realized is whenever I'm accessing my sexuality, folks probably think of it in this particular way, but it actually isn't. It's a lot more nuanced than that. Mm. And it's really difficult to pinpoint because, you know, sex is not something that you I mean, it is something that you do, but it's also something that you are. And right. so how can you how can you how can you just like sort of qualify or quantify that? It's really difficult. Right. Especially if you're looking into like um you know, sort of like theory behind like Tantra and things like that. It's like sexuality is not limited to your desire to engage with someone else's genitals or even your own, right? Right. Like it's a energy, it's a life force. I was I was having a conversation or a mini argument with a friend the other night because he was saying something and he was talking about channeling sexual energy into like doing other things like career stuff and like um, not jerking off because then he would channel that energy into doing other things or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I think sometimes it would be nice to be asexual because I feel like I would channel more of my energy into other things. And he's like, well, no, like I'm still connected to my sexuality. I'm like, yeah, but asexual people aren't disconnected from their sexuality. That's right. Mm -hmm. It just probably... I don't know. The way that I see it is like what I said, like it not necessarily being tied to desire to like do something physical with someone else or with yourself all the time or as much as maybe other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way that we can understand that there are many different types of like everyone is different and they have their own expressions of like happiness or sadness. It's like the same with sexuality. But for whatever reason, we put 
we put this standard on ourselves that's like you if you are a sexual being that means that you have sex in this way and you desire in this way and you are horny in this way and you're mm-hmm. supposed to have an orgasm in this way and it's not like that like everybody literal body is different and everybody's experience of sex and how it resonates in their body if it does at all is different as well yeah and so i, I like the freedom of aceness because it, it allows me to be the full spectrum of my sexuality without having to pinpoint it to um, one larger end of the spectrum. It's mm-hmm. like some days I feel more ace and other days I feel more sexual. And like I'm able to move through that a little bit more mm-hmm. fluidly than if I were to be like, oh, wow, I don't feel like having sex today. That means that I'm just not a sexual person. Right. Um, you know? yes. yes. That has, that's actually a phrase that has, uh, never quite sat right with me. And now that you're talking about it, I'm really thinking through it. I was listening to a podcast this morning and someone said something about them being um, like a highly sexual person. And I was like, I know what you're trying to say, but I don't think that that's being said in the right, in the Mm. right way, because saying that someone's like very sexual implies that other people are not very sexual. And I do kind of believe that we are all, and I, I, and I'm, I'm probably not saying this right, but I sort of believe that we are all sexual because we are, I don't know, just like the spirit and force that like makes up sure. us and yeah. makes up passion, all these things that are not just tied to the physical act of sex or masturbation. Um, and so I have trouble with those phrases sometimes. Of like, I'm not very sexual. I'm very sexual. I'm like, I don't think that's, I don't think we're talking about the same thing when we're talking about like being sexual. You yeah. Know? It's, it's very binaried, you know, yes. like the, there's there's such I mean, the binary isn't everything, but there's such a binary when it comes to sexuality, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people um, haven't wanted to identify as ace because they thought it meant that, like, you just don't have sex ever and you don't have yeah. sexual desire ever. And even when I came out, you know, people were like, so you say that you're asexual, but you still have sex. That means that you're not asexual. Right. And I'm like. First of all, that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to identify however the fuck I'm allowed to identify. <laughs> um, and also, you don't know very much about ace people because ace people have sex. I mean, not all ace people. We're not a monolith. But, mm-hmm. like, ace people have sex. Ace people enjoy having sex. I am one of those ace people. I I like having sex. I enjoy having sex. Um I just desire it in a different way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't desire it in the ways that cosmopolitan or porn has told us yeah. that I'm supposed to desire it or that other people are desiring it. And matter of fact, I believe that there are a lot more people walking around on the ace spectrum than we think. I you know, agree. there's oh, a absolutely. there's a statistic that we hear all the time, which is like one percent of the population is is asexual. And I'm like, no, maybe if we think about it in this binary term, but. I I know that there are people, and even after I came out, m- multiple people came out to me and said, like, yeah, I think that I'm ace too, because your experience of your sexuality sounds very much like mine. And if you say you're ace, then I guess I'm ace too, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I want to hold space for the nuances and the flexibility yeah. of, of our sexuality. And maybe someone has those nuances, and they don't feel comfortable calling themselves sure. ace. And that's totally fine. You don't have to. But for someone like me, having that identifier has helped me to feel a lot less alone. And it it has also just helped to explain in my own brain, like, oh, I'm not broken. I just Mm -hmm. desire differently. You know? Mm. And it's, yeah, it's so interesting. Okay, Broads, one more quick pause. And you're going to want to listen to what I have to say. Because if you have a list of New Year's resolutions a mile long already, 
you're going to need some reinforcements because you can't learn how to be a world-class tennis player or a Michelin-quality chef without some help. And that is where Masterclass comes in. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere at your own pace. Um, I first watched my dad do Masterclass over COVID. He was like, I'm going to learn some things with my time out. And I was captivated. I had to try it and I love it. You can learn how to play tennis with Serena Williams. You can improve your cooking with Gordon Ramsay. Or you can learn to write songs with Alicia Keys. Casual. With over 100 classes taught by a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. The lessons are really immersive also with like cinema quality videos and additional resources offered for each class. Like they have lesson recaps. They also have supplemental materials. Plus the whole thing is completely customized to your schedule. You can learn what you want, where you want, and when you want. There are so many amazing classes on Masterclass. It actually took me a while just to figure out which one to do first. There are so many good ones. Uh, But finally, I decided on RuPaul's self-expression class because I'm such a big fan I also love that I can listen to the classes when I'm driving in audio-only mode, or I can watch the videos when I'm winding down for bed at night. Masterclass is always ready to go when my schedule allows for it, and I can't wait to take even more classes in 2022. Finally, all those things I've said I would learn. This is the year. I can feel it. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash chatty today. That's masterclass.com slash chatty. Terms apply. So this holiday season, I want to give gifts to my loved ones that make them feel special and unique because they are. And that's why I'm giving them StoryWorth. You've heard us talk about StoryWorth. We are obsessed. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Oh my gosh. I love StoryWorth. Each week, they email your relative or your friend, your loved one, a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. So each unique prompt asks questions you've probably not never thought to ask them. Like they'll ask, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Questions like that. Then after one year, StoryWorth will compile all of their stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. So cool. So I'm actually giving StoryWorth to my parents this year, and I'm really excited to see the finished product because it's true. A lot of these questions I would have never even thought to ask. Like They're things that I don't actually even know about my own parents. And I also know that uh, the StoryWorth book will be something that I can pass on to my daughter, Ember, someday. And maybe she'll pass that down eventually, too. Um, StoryWorth, it's just the perfect way to keep the memory of your family preserved for generations to come. And with StoryWorth, I am giving those I love a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart. And you're preserving their memories and short stories for years to come. It's it's like an heirloom. And go to StoryWorth.com slash chatty and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash chatty to save $10 on your first purchase. It's just like, like you're both talking about the different, there's like, it's these binary terms. I know for myself (laughs) growing up, I always, I struggled because um, sex for me has always been very not connected to my emotions at all. Mm. Like, so I would sit with my, like my girlfriends in high school and it would just be like, if someone had sex, they'd right away come back and be like, 
oh my gosh, and I like him and I'm feeling and I felt these things and I've never felt that way with mm-hmm. sex. Um, I get I almost feel more maybe I'm using the term wrong, but I, I almost feel more sexually turned on in conversation. Mm. And I like having the act of sex when my body wants to feel the act of mm-hmm. sex. Yes. But I don't have that feeling. So when I was growing up, I'm like, I could very easily go have a one night stand with someone or have have sex with someone that I had a crush on, but then not feel more emotionally. Ca- yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so then I was walking around always feeling like, oh, I'm a slut. Mm-hmm. Like because mm. and I can't express that I'm sitting here talking to my my friends and I can't relate to them at all because yeah. I'm like, I don't feel that. But I don't want to share it because then I feel the shame of like, oh, you're you are able to, to go do this and like. And it's never, I've never been able to like know how to frame Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So then hearing you um, talk about uh, being asexual, like though that's not the term that resonates with me personally, it allowed me to really kind of examine how I feel sexually because I've just always kind of put it in these boxes, these terms, like you're saying, not very sexual, very sexual. And I'm like, I don't know how I fall, where I fall, but I feel I feel like very much a certain way about it that I don't I don't know how to do you know what I'm saying so being yeah. able to have being able to look at it from a, per, a perspective that's not just this binary has been yeah. really powerful for me like just in my own home where I'm able to be like you feel a certain way about sex I feel a certain way about mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. it's okay yeah if we have different feelings about it yeah, yeah. and you- also it's like it's okay if people don't want to have sex. Yeah. Like, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Like, like, can we just give people permission to say, like, I don't really want to have sex right now or tomorrow or next month or ever? Like, sex is sex is not the end-all, be-all of connection and physical intimacy. No. You it is know? so, so sad to me how I and people that I've seen, how I have betrayed my own body so many mm-hmm. times. Yes. And how... I've even just seen it like, uh, again, on the internet where I'm like, holy shit, where I see um, other influencers doing like confessions and there are confessions like this. Oh my God, this one has really stuck with me. Um, I told my husband after I had the baby that I actually had to wait 12 weeks. And I'm like, Mm. that makes me hurt. You don't have to fucking lie to your husband. You can tell your husband the doctor said six weeks and you can say, I don't want to have sex. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't want to have sex. And I, again, don't want to have sex. And I don't want to have sex. I, you could say that yes. for the rest of your life. Yes. And there was another girl I had who wrote in a question. And she was like, when will I start enjoying sex? And I was like, when you s- stop saying yes to sex that you're not enjoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're going to start having pleasurable sex. I'm saying stop saying yes to sex that you're not enjoying. Yes. Stop. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. You're hurting your body. You're traumatizing your body yes. every time Stop you do that. Stop saying yes to sex that you would rather say no to. <sighs> like, and that's so hard, especially it's as people hard. who have been like enculturated <clears throat> as women. And we've been told that like sex is sort of like this currency of love that we have for our partners. Yeah. It is really difficult to get rid of that narrative. And I know that that's something that has stuck with me a lot. Like I've had lots of sex. I have violated my body because I didn't want to have it. But I felt like, well, this is what a wife is supposed to yeah. do. And if also you love like, your man. I want to connect with you. Right, like, exactly. I felt that too of like, well, mm-hmm. I want to connect mm-hmm. with him. Right. 
but so, not thinking that there are other ways for us to connect yeah. and not not having um, not having these really important conversations about like how how we each view sex, you know, because for me, like, yeah, I'll, I'll have sex with you. It's fun. Uh, makes me feel close and connected to you. But there will be times where I would rather do something else with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will derive the same sort of emotional intimacy and availability through that than if we just have sex. Like we're so limited in our in our ways and expression of like love even. Yeah. So being ace or or being on the ace spectrum has allowed me to explore those things, to explore those nuances. And like just was it last night or a couple nights ago, me and my partner were talking about this and um Something that I have been trying to do more that I've been really shy of doing because I don't want to put emphasis on the fact that like we haven't had sex in a week. We haven't had sex in three days or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about it instead of like internalizing it and beating myself up about it. And so we talked and I was just like, you know, I I just want to let you know that like I noticed that we haven't been having sex lately because like I just launched a book and I'm fucking tired of shit. (laughs) Um. But I really want to have sex with you. Yeah. Like, I want to just make that known. I'm not mm-hmm. in a place to do it right now. But I just want you to know that I see it. I notice it. And I want for us to be in this moment. And we were, like, sort of cuddling in bed. And I was like, I want you to know that this moment for me, I know it's not sex. But it feels like sex for me. Yeah. Because we're connected. And, you know, I'm laying on your body. And I can feel your heart beating yeah. in my ear. Like, that to me feels like intimacy. Yeah. And I thought that that was going to be an experience that I just shared solo. I thought like, you know, for him, he'd be like, that's cool. I'm really happy that you're having that experience. But like, yeah, I would love to have an orgasm right. with you sometime. Right. And he was like, actually, I have been able to access that with you in this moment as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. I would love to have sex with you more often, but I am also tired. I am chronically ill. It's sometimes difficult for me to want to have sex with you because maybe I'm tired or I have a headache or I'm stressed or I'd rather do something else. So we've been having a lot of conversations in our relationship about what are the other ways that we can be physically intimate and emotionally intimate with each other that doesn't look like penis, vagina, orgasm, you know? Mm Something just clicked for me, too, is I've been really ruminating lately on how so many cis men are disconnected from like their bodies and Mm. disconnected from in the moment with sex and how I feel like I've been harmed by that um, by so many partners. And, you know, I think like definitely exposure to mainstream porn from young ages definitely has to do with that sexual trauma. Mm. But also I was just thinking about I don't even think so many men realize I was just thinking about how with what I was describing of saying yes to experiences I didn't want. I just started thinking of like how many men have probably done that so So many many. times because of the pressure to be these hypersexual beings and how actually Gray and I just last night, um, I've started checking in and going like, which is something we've never done before of like, do you want to kiss right now? I'm feeling like, mm. and you know, like, cause you can always, yeah, not always, but oftentimes you can sense your energy with the partner. Sure. Yeah. And, um, just being like, do you want to kiss right now? Do you, do you want to make out right now? Like, you know, are you liking me touching you mm. right now? Mm-hmm. And starting to go through that with him has been really liberating because I think so often men aren't asked that either. No. Do you actually want me to give you a blowjob right now or whatever? Like, right. are you actually into this? And it's mm-hmm. also okay if you say no. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't like, 
it's not uh, an indictment on your manhood or yes. your masculinity yeah. or your sexual prowess if you say, actually, no, I'm not really feeling it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And last night I was like sort of checking in with him and I was like, oh, I'm feeling turned on. Like, do you want to have sex right now? And he was like, no, I'm really tired. I want to go to bed. And it was like actually the first time where I have ever said to him, like, you don't ever have to do anything you don't want to. Yeah. You don't ever have to have sex if mm-hmm. you don't want to. And he was like, thanks. That feels really good. And I just thought like, damn, I think that so many men haven't given themselves that space or been given that space with a partner either to be like, are you into this? Do yeah. you like this? You can say stop. Yeah. We can because stop. again, the narrative is like men are sexual beings. They're visual creatures. They want to have sex all the time and they'll fuck anything that mm-hmm. walks. But yeah. like that, there's there's a lot more nuances to their their experiences. And I want to I want the same kind of consideration for my yeah. sexuality to be given to these these guys, you know, because yeah. they yeah. need it. They yeah. need to be soft. I have a I have a friend who we recently had a conversation and he's cis hat and he was like, we were talking about how he does not have the desire to have penetrative sex mm-hmm. and how for a very long time he has lied about that mm. because he does not feel like he can have that conversation with other men because he would be, they would give him oh, a hard yeah. time. Right. Of course. And then, so then he's ex- exploring all these like i need to go to a doctor because something must be wrong and it was like no like you don't you don't have to yeah it's okay yeah i was i was in a um, session with a client recently and um you know we we'd worked together before a few years ago and so we're working together again and um when we were working together the first time she was like i'm not having enough sex i want to have more sex when I was in college i was banging dudes all the time i was having one night stands i was you know for me, I want to get back to that. And so our work together for the first round was just like, you know, having her think back to like, you know, the confidence that she felt in her body during that time and whatever, whatever. And we're working together now. <laughs> and spoiler alert, she's on the A spectrum. <laughs> and we realized that, you know, she was trying to look at those experiences of, you know, what she says is like hypersexuality as like, that's that's the pinnacle. That's what we should all aim for. But when she was really honest with herself, she was like, I didn't really want to have sex with these yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I just felt that in order for me to be loved or seen or worthy or to be on the same wavelength with my friends, I had to have a lot of sex. And so it was really interesting for me to be in conversation with her about that because we were totally looking at this past self as being like, oh, I want to get back to that because that was the true nature of my sexuality. And she's realizing like, no, actually, it wasn't like I was kind of pl- like playing along with this script or the story that in order for me to be a healthy person, a desirable person, I have to have a lot of sex. And now she's gotten really clear that like she doesn't want to have penetration. She doesn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And she's in a relationship with someone where she's vocalizing those needs. And it's really beautiful to watch her partner on the other side be like, cool, let's yeah, explore okay. other things, yeah. you know, like I, I want to be there for you. And that's not to say that like, that everybody has to have that experience. Like it is well within your right to not date a person who is asexual. But my issue is saying that you will never date an ace person mm-hmm. without understanding that there are mm-hmm. nuances to asexuality, just as there are nuances to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or that someone married to someone who, you know, discovers that they're asexual or that they, you know, don't enjoy having sex at all. Um, similarly to the monogamous assumption right Mm -hmm. Uh, um 
we've kind of had this discussion on our podcast before because I'm interested in non-monogamy and someone was like, you know, how could you give your partner the uh, ultimatum of, mm. you you know, you need to let me have a partner or else. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The monogamy is already like an assumed ultimatum right. that you yeah. are not going to have a relationship with anyone else or else. Mm-hmm. And similarly, thinking about asexuality in relationships, sort of the assumption is you will give me sex or else this really. And it's like, what if we flip the script on that of like, actually, I am not I do not owe sex to you mm-hmm. and you can find other ways to satisfy yourself or this relationship isn't going to work out rather right. than you know, that being on the burden of the person who does not wish to have sex with the other person. Right. I mean, we put a lot of importance on sex. You know, it's like the center of a romantic relationship. And um, to the extent where it's like some would even say that that's what sort of uh, discerns a platonic relationship from a romantic one is the (laughs) sex. But I know lots of people who are friends and have have fucking sex. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't. I'm I'm really wanting to I I really want for us to just like think outside of the box a yeah. little bit mm-hmm. about like what does it mean to be in relationship? Are there aspects of this relationship other than sex that you really enjoy? Yeah. Or is is like if you take everything else away, is sex still at the center? Yeah. You know, and for a lot of people, we don't take the time to think about these things. Mm-hmm. No one's asking us these questions. So we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. You know? Infidelity is often only defined by in terms of sex and mm-hmm. we were just talking about this the other day because i was like what about like when you have a crush on someone we're talking about infidelity and i know i'm not going to breach the physical boundary but what about all that other shit of talking on the phone for five or six hours you know we don't right. normally set those terms up it's just like you're not going to have sex with anyone else you're not going to kiss anyone else okay we're good mm-hmm. and it's like there's so many other nuances to relationships with people and intimate relationships with people that yeah i don't know we don't think about Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highly recommend the book Ace. It's incredible. Um, I think it will help even people who identify as highly sexual people because it'll ask them, like, where does this come from? Am I highly sexual because, like, I actually want to have sex? Mm-hmm. Or is that a narrative that I've bought into that I need to be a respectable or desirable person? That means I have to have a lot of sex. Mm. Oh, completely. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> I was having this conversation with my mom the other day because I would have you know, years ago would have definitely um, identified myself as highly sexual because I was supposed to wait to have sex until mm-hmm. I got married and I was already like under the cover of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh my God, I'm already just like, this is so scandalous. And then, and then once we got married, it was like, you know, I was like, it's happening. It's just constant. And I was just like, I'm just so highly sexual, you know, cut to a couple years in. And that's just not what was happening anymore. And I'm still beyond attracted physically to my husband. And I'm like realizing it was just like, oh, no, I I did that because that was what I thought I needed to do. Mm -hmm. So I made, quote unquote, made myself tell myself that I was highly sexual Mm. because that was the way that I could be a good partner and be loved and whatever. It's just like, no, it's 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 just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of highly sexual, it might just be like you have hot like um, like, I don't know. That's not a good way of saying it. I was gonna say like high desire, like frequent like desire for physical connection for people. But that's not a very catchy way of saying it. Highly sexual (laughs) is a way to say that. But it's like, yeah, some maybe some people want to have sex with a lot of people different people frequently easily quickly but 
I don't necessarily think that that person is like more sexual than the person who enjoys having their their once a like you said your their once a month seven hour romp yeah, with their husbands. Like, seriously, it's just different. And, yeah. and, and I guess that's what's important of all of this is like it's just different. So so through okay so then through the pandemic you had the conscious uncoupling or and then and then you came out as non-binary and then we're talking about being asexual Mm -hmm. and then you put out a book called now yourself yeah so okay i want to hear about the book i also want to hear about like it's a beautiful book. By it's the way. Thank so you. broad. It is so beautiful. And oh, thank you. We'll have thank all the so links. Happy. We'll have all the links for it in the um, in the episode notes. But I'm so curious if this the past two years while writing this book, the the time alone um, coming out, uh, talking about being asexual, like how that inspired this book and then is connected. Yeah. Um. I wrote this book when I was living apart from my partner. Okay. And I think that, I don't know. I For me, it was really important. If I'm going to write a book about sensuality, like I can't just do it in a very unsensual way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was very happy that, you know, I had all this time alone and I really got connected to my body and myself mm-hmm. and my own desires and needs because it allowed me to really channel all of that into the book. Um, as well as, you know, you know, we've been talking a lot about asexuality and sensuality is so much a part of my ace experience. Mm-hmm. Um, sensuality is so much a part of my sexual experience. Like I can't I know that there are some people who are able to maybe just have sex and it's just about the physical, like, let's get a nut and move on. But like I need to have my body considered in every mm-hmm. aspect of a sexual experience. Um, it's not just about having an orgasm. It's about like getting connected to my body through somebody else's body. And so sensuality is one of the main mm, foundational pieces, I would say, of my sexuality. And that is to say that sensuality is not um, synonymous with sexuality. I think that there's mm-hmm. a lot of talk that I've heard um, just as I've been writing this book and and promoting it that people are like, oh, yeah, I just sensuality is sexuality, right? Like mm. we use we use that term um, interchangeably. Um, and the way that I see sensuality is that it is just you having a private and personal experience with your own body, hmm. that it's possible for you to have that experience and have someone else gaze upon it or be inspired by it. But first and foremost, it's about the relationship that you have with your body. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was taught about sensuality, and I'm wondering what you two have been taught about sensuality, is that you, like the first image that comes to mind, and I really want to get rid of it, uh, of a (laughs) sensual person is Jessica Rabbit. Like this uh idea of like the big tits and the slinky dress and the legs showing, you know, it's all about um, something that you are being. It's like um, maybe an aspect of performance, that sensuality is... Mm performance. Mm. And I don't necessarily think that that's true, but I think that that definition or that understanding of sensuality has been really flattened. You know, this idea that that sensuality is about what you buy. It's about the lingerie that you wear. It's about the candle that you smell. Like I, with this book, am asking for folks to explore sensuality on their own terms and to also explore for themselves my philosophy, which is that like you are a sensual being. It doesn't matter. Like what shit you have in your closet or like mm-hmm. how much you spend on face care. Like if you have a body, you are sensual. We have the senses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and your job is meant 
to reclaim that part of yourself and to create space for that part of yourself to be shown outside of the, the gaze of like performance or hypersexualization that I think sensuality has gotten. Mm. What was your definition of sensuality and like how? Yeah, do you think very of it curious now? about that. Um, I would say it's probably similar to yours. Like <laughs> my first image right away is this is has so many layers to it. Wow, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> holy shit. Um, is Princess Leia in the third in in the movie where she's like all bound up in the bikini. So it's in a subservient position. Mm, it's interesting. It's very like the small, you know, the, the, especially back then that was such a scandalous. And my parents would always make me fast forward that part and I couldn't <laughs> see it even though it, Wow, there was no sex happening. No, there was no sex happening. That's funny. My parents actually didn't, and I was pretty young. Well, but it was okay. So I'm in a home where, of like, it's like a, there's my my sexuality is assumed. Of course, she has to be straight. Mm-hmm. Mm. She could never be. She could never be queer. But yet they wouldn't let me look <laughs> at a woman. It was very confusing. So it was like there was no. It was like there was this rec. There was this understanding that like there's this woman who's in this like very small bikini and like but she can't even look at that mm-hmm. and there's no sex and whatever so because it was fast forwarded too it was very like forbidden <laughs> right yeah. so then I remember seeing it and like being like this is like the pinnacle of mm. sensuality and now that I'm thinking about it I'm like oh my gosh there's so many layers of the whole thing <laughs> that she's like she's bound she's in a bikini and now I'm thinking about like my personal and experience also, and I'm like oh my if, god if I'm thinking about that scene correctly that yes. wasn't by her choice no like, she didn't get dressed up in that way no. because she, she was, was killing kidnapped. herself she was, she was kidnapped put, and put yeah. on display she was sexualized yes. she was kind of enslaved yes. so yeah yes. That's, yes. That's when actually she was quite a now we're evaluating the movie she was <laughs> quite a powerful she, but she was also very modest very modest she was right. in a white Always up just, to her throat yes. gown That's and powerful right. woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, in control, and then having that stripped from her is a wow. It's a lot of layers. Now. So many layers. <laughs> wow. Like, I'm thinking about some of my trauma, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first image. It all it's all falling together now. Wow. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Becca? You know, I feel like I was not super familiar with the term sensuality. Mm. Uh, growing up or even like in high school or thinking about being an adolescent, I didn't think much about sensuality, probably because it wasn't as an exciting and taboo term as sexuality. That's right. Yeah. So I don't Mm. think I ever considered it much growing up or had Mm. a definition of it. But now when I think about it, like I have when I have become more familiar with the term, I definitely it's different from sexuality in my mind because sensuality I think of it like, and maybe this is something that I saw on the internet. Of course, everything's influenced by something, but like a really like juicy peach. And I think about it like dripping. And I think of this being, yeah. I think of sensual almost as the sexual gratification that doesn't come from sex, if that makes sense. Oh, that's, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. So yeah. you know, like we, how we were looking at the shiny, oily. Oh, yeah. the, there's these like illustrations we were look, talking about on the show where it's like ev- the bodies are like, the, it's it, they're like illustrations, but it's like everything is stretched and the breasts are so big and everything's like oily Late. and it has this, everything has yeah. this shiny, almost uh-huh. latexy texture. And I love looking that at it. That to me is like yeah. sensual. It's yeah. like, yeah. I am, do not look at it that and I'm like, I want to fuck that. No, it's like it gives me this feeling inside that pleasure. Yes. Exactly. Pleasurable. So that's yeah. sort of how I think of sensual or I think of, you know, I don't know, something really delicious or just somebody massaging me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with my 
yeah, genitals or wanting to have sex with anyone or masturbate. It's just like gives me that feeling of like, oh, that, yeah. that's like that's like nice. ooh, like when you use that head thing you know oh, like, yeah. like that's a sensual experience where <laughs> yeah you're like, oh. because you're you're being invited to be in your body uh-huh. mm-hmm. like that's what it feels like to be like I was I was doing workshops all last week where I was inviting people one of the things that I'll I say in my workshop is that you know like you are a sensual being even as you are listening to me speak to you and I'm going to prove it mm-hmm. so I'll have them go through this exercise where they're literally lighting up every one of their senses not in a sexual way but just like what are you smelling in this moment mm-hmm. what are you seeing connect to your breath etc. And um, I'll pull everyone and ask them at the end, like, how are you feeling in your body? And they're like, I feel buzzy. I feel like I'm fully in my body. I feel warm. I feel tingly. I feel connected. And I'm like, that is exactly what it mm. means to be sensual. You're fully in your body. All of your senses are aroused or awake. And you are really in union with yourself. Mm. And like, I fucking love that feeling. Like that feeling feels so good. And not only is that feeling derived from pleasure, it also helps us to feel a sense of power in our bodies, Mm. you know? Because I know that when I feel that, like you can't tell me nothing. Like I am like at the top of the world. I can do fucking anything. And so being sensual and cultivating our sensual selves isn't just about like, let's explore pleasure. It's also about like, how can I stand in my own truth? And like, how can I hold space for my power and um, the ways that I can like take up space in this world, Mm. you know? And it's like expression, right? Like I'm just thinking of like, Things that make feel that way. I'm yeah, like, I'm like yeah, yeah. mozzarella sticks for me are <laughs> See, sensual. Yeah. I think of yes. biting into it and I'm just like, mm. and what's so cool about that is that that's just for me. Right. Yes, yes, and sometimes yes, yes. sexuality doesn't feel that way where it's like, oh, it's just for me. But sensuality, for some reason, does that inherently feels like, oh, that's just for me. Yeah, that's it's just like about like my experience. private experience. Yeah. Like no one can take that away from you. No one can like you can't even really describe it no, with words it's, no. because it's a very personal visceral feeling that you have in your body mm-hmm. you know yes oh that's so, it's so interesting I'm, I'm sitting yeah I'm thinking now too I'm like oh my god I feel like sen- like so much sensuality whenever I I'm like I'm in my robe I cross my legs in front of the the mirror and I put makeup on uh-huh. it's like that's like my moment yes. is when I'm putting like this to feel it going on and just watching and then I just will stay home but it's just feeling it like go on and sitting feeling my legs cross together and the warmth of my robe yes and oh man it's just the best and I feel like you were saying you're like no one can tell me no right. <laughs> just yeah. like, I'm like I'm on top of the world right now like <laughs> like it's just yeah there's just this yeah. And also, you know, the the other aspect of sensuality that I, I try to talk about, too, is that it's not just about the five senses. It's also about like what we're experiencing in our emotional bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as I was saying earlier, I do this workshop where I'm having people go through each of their senses to sort of awaken them. And in that process, I'm also asking them, like, what emotions are coming up in your body right now? Mm-hmm. Um, do those emotions have physical sensations or are they just feelings that you have, you know? Um, also thinking about like what sort of thoughts are coming up in your head because our heads are a part of our bodies. You know, I think sometimes we forget that like, you know, um, at least for me, I think a lot about the head as being like the ruler, the computer and the body is just here mm-hmm. for the ride. But it's like we're all sort of holistically one thing. So I'm I'm always inviting for people to think not just about like what they are experiencing like tactilely, but also um what emotions are coming up for them? And like, is there a way, can you 
hold space for what's coming up for yourself without abandoning yourself. You mm-hmm. know, that to me is what it means to be sensual. And sometimes it's not fun. You know, I, I know that we're talking about sensuality and these like really yummy terms of like mozzarella sticks and putting on mm-hmm. makeup and stuff like that. But sometimes in order to ground into your body, you have to be confronted with some things that just aren't pleasant. Discomfort, mm-hmm. discomfort, pain, um, anxiety, grief, you know, and I, I want to make it clear that, you know, sensuality isn't just about feeling pleasure. It's just about feeling. It's about being alive yes. from this definition. Yeah. So the experience of living and being present in your consciousness exactly. is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wrote mm. this book to help people get into their sensual bodies. Um, and it was really important for me to write a book about sensuality and to not have it be just theory. Like I didn't want to have like. 10 chapters where I'm like, this is what sensuality is. Like I want for people to experience sensuality with their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And I want it to like be something that they practice and something that they define on their own terms. And so it's a guided journal that you get to write in and lots of questions and exercises for me. That's like telling you all like, okay, let's, let's check in with your body today. What are you feeling? You know? I was so excited when you sent it over to us and I was like, I was so excited to read, to read the book. And then I opened it. I got even more excited. I'm like, Oh my God. Like just, I love the piece that it's interactive. And yeah. also by the way, yeah, we were saying the art and everything is so beautiful. It's also like digestible, right? Where it's yeah. like, I like the idea that you can just take a moment, like you're saying an hour, 15 minutes, like yeah. at night after your kids go to bed, whatever, just take a little moment to be with yourself ask yourself these questions mm-hmm. take a little moment to write and it's just a very attainable piece of time that you can hold for yourself and your body yeah that was really important to me too you know I think we talk a lot about like what are the practices that'll make you feel connected to yourself and that's cool but it's a lot easier if you have like something that's like this book's whole purpose is for you to explore it like not to just like read it and put it on your nightstand and like never look at it again like this book is a built-in practice of connecting to your sensual mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. and that is kind of like um I feel like the barrier of entry with that is really low like there's there's not like high stakes with it you can just pick it up write a couple of words down and move on with your day but even that is very powerful right you yes. know I think sometimes we think that practices have to be long and you know very elaborate but I mean just sitting down and asking yourself where is my breath located in my body right now and just taking a moment to feel where like the sensation of breath whether it's in your chest or in your belly and just noticing mm-hmm. like that is a practice that is that is a practice of, of coming home to yourself mm. I love it it's, it's like powerful stuff. It's like the uh, way to have an interruption, like we were talking yes. about earlier. Yeah, disrupt it. Yes. Disrupt, disrupt the system. Disrupt that's, this. that's the other thing, too. You know, a lot of us are walking around not connected to our bodies, and we have very good reason to. You know, we're traumatized. We're in a fucking yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Um, we're constantly moving fast. And um, this practice is about getting us to slow down and come back into ourselves in a world that's telling us that we are better and more productive when we are doing for others and not taking that time mm-hmm. for ourselves. So I've been kind of telling people like, not only is it like a sensuality journal, it's also a giant fuck you to the man because <laughs> like the man is always telling us to keep moving, to keep going, to be productive, to consume. Um, and this book is like, no, just like be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it's love so it. Beautiful. I'm so excited to go through it. I know, it. me too. Yeah, I let me know how you start. like it. I cannot wait. And Broad's... Um, 
it'll all this info will be in the episode notes also amazing to get for yourself and for a friend yeah or a family member like this is or for the men in your life yeah he sent you out i was so i was actually thinking that going through this like like, i'm "I'm gonna make my boyfriend do this with me yes yes so important so important um um also your podcast yeah plug away please yes plug plug your plug your things plug 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 yes so um, my book is called sensual self you can find that wherever you find books i would like to mention that independent bookstores are great so if you can find it at an indie bookstore that's even better um i have a podcast it used to be called the sexually liberated woman yes but um since i came out as non-binary that word didn't really resonate with me so it's now called sensual self um my podcast can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and um i'm actually i've been plugging my newsletter lately because i've been trying to divest a little bit from the instagram Mm, bullshit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um (laughs) yeah i'm like i want to have like real interactions with people that aren't dictated by an algorithm yeah i'm really really wanting that so um folks can sign up to my newsletter it's free uh, at evionwhitney.com slash subscribe. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Evian, for coming back. It was so nice. Great conversation. It's always always so good to chat with you guys. Yeah. We so appreciate you. And uh, we'll chat soon, Broads. Chat soon.